0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Going? Going? Oh, it's working. Let's see if this works like it, I imagine it should this week. Um, what's up, everybody? I'm C.J. Reynolds, and I run the YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds. And I do these Sunday teacher kind of like ask me anything gigs because what I'm trying to do here is like help folks out that are freaking out. And this is a good time of the year to freak out, I feel like. You've been in it for a while, and you're like, this isn't really working for me, or I'm not sure what's going on. Um, so we're... Oh, there you go. Sorry. There you go with the volume again. Um, so that's the gig. So look how bright we are this week. So daylight savings time made it all dark. And I got this weird light behind me. It makes me look kind of celestial. Uh, but then I have the ring light on. And so let's... We're, we're going to get into this tonight. Um, so let's see who's, who's jumping on here. Now... I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say this once tonight. I'm only gonna say it once, one time. I am not good with people's names, and I know I say that all the time. And I probably need like a, like a, pronunciation specialist to come work with me or something. But, um, Liza, I think I said that right. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, but hello, uh, Tracy Pinter. I see you on there, girl. Um, but Tracy Pinter, let's do a phone call after this. I meant to text you today. So let's do. Are you? Am I making too many phone calls? No, you love you love Tracy. Mm-hmm. Um, you. Let's do a phone call after this, and I'll I'll email you my my number, and we'll get on that. Um, F. Weber, what's up, Rebecca? Finally made it to the live video. You did. Welcome, Anthony Biggs. Good evening from the UK. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna do an English accent, but then it was gonna come out like an Australian accent, like when my daughter does an English accent, and she sounds like she's from New Zealand or something like that. Uh, relaxing what's up Cynthia hello ckk221 um sounds like a droid from star wars uh wisconsin what's up i don't i have been to wisconsin i think i bought overalls there one time piano boy uh give me your best louis armstrong impression <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> uh mike what's up Ch-ch-ch- they are always coming in in the morning over there in China. Uh, they don't have daylight savings time. Near as Arizona, which is weird. I think they don't have Martin Luther King Day either in Arizona or something like Stop that. Stop it for me. I'm them? for real. I, yeah, I'm not making this. Don't if I was going to make something up, I'd say they don't have Groundhog's Day, which I'm inventing into it. It's going to be a holiday this year in my classroom. I'm going like, to decorate for it. It's going to be awesome. So Abel Sanchez, I'm seeing a whole bunch of people jump in there now to Richard Royster. Well, speaking of Richard Royster um, every week I, I, partner with, uh, teachers connect, which is an online resource. It's free to all of you. It's up here on my computer. Now you can just go on there, type in your little stuff. It's free. You don't have to put any like secret information about yourself. And then you get to access all of these teachers. So there's like YouTuber teachers on there and Instagram people, and then people that aren't on social media really. And they just ask questions and share stuff and it's awesome. So, um, before I get into your questions, so go ahead and drop all your questions in there. Um, my, my buddy, Richard Royster, who's a vice principal or associate principal, I think he calls himself down in Kentucky. He said that he, so his question on there that I want to ask all of you, since Richard's on here now, I think this would help him out. So typically I pick a question and I answer it, but, and I I will, I do have a little take on this, but he had a question on Teachers Connect that said, he's wondering about high school high school teachers and how you, your school handles behavioral referrals. So what are your school's most prominent rules for teachers when they're writing referrals? He said, he gets like 700 referrals a year. So what I'm thinking of is at my school, somebody gets in trouble. We have to go into power school and write it up and document it. Right. So, but, and he's, he kind of took my answer already, but i so I'm just going to reiterate what he had in his post. So if the idea is to document what happened, That does not take into account your emotional uh, state of being, right? What's not important in this is how it made you feel or like you, you're not writing it up like it's a little like drama. You're simply, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, when I write those, I think of like what a police report would sound like. And and I'm not trying to get into all that, like it's the police and, and all that nonsense. But what I am saying is it's very factual. Student came in. This is what happened with the student. This was the reason were the repercussions. You're not saying how anyone felt or like describing the impact of the of the punch or something like that. So writing teachers got to dial it back a little bit sometimes. But I think for me, that's what it kind of looks like. So I'm wondering if you in the comment section can give Richard some ideas on what is your school? kind of looking for when you are writing up referrals like are there hard and fast rules when you're writing a kid up and then i think that's just going to help him and richard if you want to add anything else on the side um just like if i got something wrong or if there was something specific there you go buddy now we have some uh, some answers for you see this online community stuff is awesome put a question out there somebody answers it and then look now you have like probably at least a dozen answers on there what are you asking me? I'm showing you some of Arizona has Martin Luther King Day, said Joanne. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought I thought they didn't. Is it new? Like, I thought they didn't Is have it, it new? <laughs> maybe it's New Mexico. I think maybe it's New Mexico. You know, I don't think you Arizona know and New Mexico, same shape, pretty much same spot. I mean, it's like... It's it's just, they are.
1: They're no. like, it's right
0: there. It's like Nebraska and South Dakota. They just look, look the their same. because neighbors don't mean that they're the same. That was deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's do questions. That um, one. What from my body? Oh, on the top. Yeah. Johnny Ching Chingus. Johnny is saying, "Hi, Mr. Reynolds." Another teacher is telling my friend that they don't like their decorations in his classroom. What can he say? Yo, look. I mean, <laughs> unless you have <laughs> like. Kiss posters hanging in your classroom. I mean, like, what can they say? Like, look, I, I just, I really think. So, I, I was listening to this woman today, whose name I'm going to forget, um, but you can look her up. There's a, there's a, a YouTube series that I watch. I think it's also, um, uh, a podcast called Impact Theory, and this woman who's like a huge YouTuber said that her house is like is beaming with positivity and with There's post-it notes all over the place. There's posters. There's like, it is supposed to be a place that is sort of magical. She wants it to feel like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And one of the things that she has in her house that really this, I was like half listening to it as I was mowing my lawn. And then I was like, wait a minute. What did she just say? She has a drawer in her house filled with Skittles and she doesn't even eat them. It just makes her feel good that there's a drawer (laughs) filled with Skittles. Isn't that awesome? It's so ridiculous. It like makes me want to do it at school. (laughs) But my, my students will eat them because they're like goats. Oh, you can sure. give them, a, they eat like tin <laughs> cans, I think sometimes. But that idea of like your classroom just being a place of magic where who cares if someone doesn't like your decorations because sometimes you're just not going to get them. So even in my own house, like, so if I shift this, watch, I, I don't want no. you to be on camera. In my own house, oh, wife, I was trying to move it away from you. You got on there for, there's a half second of you on the internet. Wow. I have this tree, right, that not everybody likes, but I made it out of an old fence and I like it is installed to my wall and bars. It uh, is three dimensional off there. And so it's kind of the idea is sort of like a family tree, right? Cute. Um, But it serves no purpose, nor do most of the things in my classroom. They're just kind of magical. It makes it a place where kids want to be. And so that should be the reason for decorations a lot of the time, too. They can have educational value. I'm not taking away from that, but we all know as high school teachers that there's not a lot of cool, like, educational value, like, stuff out there for us. Um, So I think just keep going. If it's about the kids, then who cares what anybody else says? And then remind yourself that it is about the kids, and that's why you're doing it. And I think for most things that you do, if someone tries to crap on what you're doing, just remind yourself: if this is about the kids, then guess what? I'm 100% doing it because when you know your why it makes all the other things you're doing that much easier. Uh, Rebecca Galloway is asking a question. I have a student who is mocking me incessantly, which it doesn't bother me, but I know it's rude and disrespectful. And I've tried connecting with him and he just uh, turns it into mocking any advice. So Rebecca, I would say, I've had any number of kids do that. Uh, For me, there's a couple of different ways to handle that. Sometimes I I'm, I'm just good at making fun of people. When I was in high school, I got beat up literally every single day of my freshman year. And so I realized that I could not fight and I had to figure out a better way to, to handle that situation. And that was to make fun of people. And that's how, and that's sort of like a sort of like a superpower that I've carried with me throughout my life. That gets me out of a lot of stuff. Cause I'm out smart kids, but there are times when that doesn't work. There are times when I, like, no, I can spot that kid a mile away that like, that's going to go the wrong way. It's going to just fuel the fire. I would pull other teachers in and sit down with them. Or first, maybe find a teacher that that kid gets along with and go to them. If there's not a teacher that they get along with, maybe someone they respect, maybe someone they don't kind of like talk that way to. And I, I think it goes a long way when students can see that you are a team, that teachers are a team, which is why I never let students in my class talk trash on another teacher. And there have even been teachers that I haven't even liked before, or like, I don't wanna say they deserved it, but they they certainly don't put themselves into place to get respected. Um, and I, I mean that by like, they are actively disrespecting students and then students will disrespect them, but there's no one's allowed to talk about that in my classroom, It's it's not a space for that. So that being said, I would try and surround that kid with like you and maybe another teacher or an administrator or someone like that, because it just shows that kind of team mentality. And then it gives you the space to sort of like say something that um, the student is actually going to be able to hear. And, And I just think that goes a long way. I've done that a number of times. I've done it this year with students. And it doesn't I think it shows kids the length in which you're willing to go. To reach them so that's what i would do if that doesn't work we can kind of talk about that again but um that 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 would be my recommendation uh jagger riley is saying two questions one how long did it take for you to get comfortable doing checks for understanding and two how do you not get bogged down with all of the small things that are expected of you so well that's that second one's a little bit tricky to put out there online but um the first one how long did it take for you to get comfortable doing checks for understanding um I think I, I don't, I don't know an answer to that, but I can tell you what helps to do check. Like what can like move the needle in your favor a little bit is same answer. I have for a lot of stuff. If you know your students, right. If you spend time getting to know the students, you can start to know like their tells and you can also get through like the, so there's certain dudes that will like put their heads down try and go to sleep, They, you can see them not paying attention. And knowing how to deal with those kids to kind of keep them focused for that set amount of time, it is like, does this kid need a hand on the shoulder? Do they need a sticker put on their book? Do they need um, tape put in their hair? Do they need me to write a note on their desk? Do they need me to write a post-it note on their desk? Learning what someone's tell is that they're not paying attention. And then what helps re-engage that student quickly. And then telling students like, look, I need your attention, literally, for two minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but you got to focus in laser focus like your life depends on it for the next this amount of time that gives kids an out. So I think those are some things that I use to, to make sure that kids are understanding. And then, you know, I think you just... Just keep trying to check for understanding and don't, don't ask too much of them. Like I, when we read, we'll read like a page and a half. And I stop and ask a question real quick. Everybody on point. All right, cool. And then we keep going. Or I always say, if we turn a page, all right, top of 160, top of 161. All right, we're on page 162. So that kids that are lost and don't know where you are, it's a constant reminder. My friend, Randy Reebok, used to do that all the time. I steal that idea from him. Like I've stolen so many other ideas from him. And then a the second question, wait, he has a second question. How do you not get bogged down with all the small things that are expected of you? I just don't do them. Um, and so I realize it's not a really good answer, but there's tons of stuff that I get. Like, like my school knows I don't read emails and it is not, I don't do it as a slight to anyone else, but honestly, like I have, there's an enormous amount of specialized paperwork that I have to do for the classes that I teach. There's an enormous amount of meetings I have to have with students to make sure that they're being successful. There's enormous amount of like, I, if I, hear that like a teacher is having a hard time that I want to make sure that I touch base with them or t- talk to other teachers to, so we can sort of surround that individual. So there's just so much to do. You just can't get it all done. Sometimes I'll even just tell people like, hey, look, I, re-, like, I realize that's important. It's just taking me a minute to get to it because I have these other things. So I'm not, it's not like I'm chilling in my room. It's not like I'm, I'm taking off. It's not like I'm just listening to music or kicking it with kids for no reason. I'm actually doing important stuff. That's why I can't get to this. And I think having that conversation and honoring someone's request sometimes gets you a little bit more time or gets you some leeway because you're not just brushing it off and they don't, they're not making up their own narrative in their head. You're letting them know, I see what you're sending me and I want you to know that I think you're important and I want to do this for you. But right now, I'm, it's, it's under these five other things that I'm doing that are also really important. So that's how I do it. Uh What's your advice for being a white folk who teaches in the hood as Chris Zemden would say? Um I say so that was Claire S asked, asked that. I you know that's a question I get a lot. <sighs> I should probably do a video about this. Um I think like everything else, right? Um I think look, if you're new, right? If you're like just if you're a new teacher that is white, and you're going to teach in any neighborhood in which you are not the majority, right? You are, you become the minority. I think number one is knowing the neighborhood in which you teach. I, I've known tons of people over the years that have taught both in West Philadelphia and Camden that know nothing about the neighborhood in which they they are working. So drive to work a little bit differently, or drive, or better yet, drive home from work because driving to work, you don't want to get lost, and then you friggin' end up being late and stuff like that. So like maybe after work this is a good idea. But to just get a sense of like where parks are, where basketball courts are, where the rec center is, where you know the football fields are that the kids hang out at, or the store that everyone hangs out in front of. Like know where your kids are and then show an interest. I I like to ask questions and be like, yo, what's up with that like at Malcolm X Park? They have this thing on the side. Like what is that? And the kids, now you have something in common. Now, now they have something to talk to you about because they are the expert in something, whether that's Justin's corner store sign got jacked up or, um, you know, the man. The, I, we have manholes in West Philly that look like they would literally swallow a man like are potholes that look like a, they would eat a car. And just commenting on stuff like that, it just gives you something to talk about. I think the other thing is, is getting to know your students, not assuming that just because. Say you teach in a school and it's all African-American students that everyone likes hip hop or everyone likes, you know, whatever show you think they're all going to like. But instead, taking the time to just get to know your students, get to know what they like, what they don't like, where they come from, where they live, um, how many people live with them. All of that informs your practice. And then you teach through that lens, not to be cool, never to be cool. I haven't been cool since 1995. I say that a lot, but it's the truth. But it is all about going and teaching kids through a lens that they currently understand so they can get to a new place. They can they can, maybe if it is hip hop, which I do teach through, or maybe it's Fortnite or maybe it's hunting or maybe it's I don't I don't freaking know monster trucks, whatever your kids are down with, like but teaching through that lens. And it also shows I think doing that shows that you are willing to enter your students world and not just constantly asking them to come into your world you're you're willing to go to that other place. So, I think from the jump that's it and then just treating kids like human beings, like not treating them like they're they're stupid or they're less than because of where they come from and not giving kids too much credit when you teach in a district where the kids are much richer than you ever will be and you know the teachers are all driving like Honda Accords in the work and they're parking next to like BMWs, but remembering that they're all kids. They're all dealing with their own stuff and that they are, they need someone to kind of walk them through that and to show them what it means to be a good student, to be a good human being. And we get to play a part of that and it's an honor to do it. Sorry, that was a long answer, but um, Alex River is saying, hi Reynolds. I want to be a SPED teacher when I'm out of high school and college. I have an IEP. Um, So that wasn't really a question, but I'm going to say awesome. And this is why it's awesome because the fact that you have an IEP, I don't, I'm not sure what's in that IEP. That stuff, Alex, gives you a heads up, gives you a leg up more than anyone else. I never had an IEP in my life. I probably should have, but I didn't go to that school. So I think that you you use those things that look like limiting features now, and they become a way for you to you have a superpower in the future. That everything you've gone through, right? I got an email from someone the other day saying, um, or it a phone call? We did a phone call with someone and he was saying that his mother was an alcoholic, right? And so no one knows who this is. So I can talk about this a little bit. His mother was an alcoholic and he takes care of her. And I said, you know, that thing that seems like it's such a limiting, like it could be, you could feel ashamed of that. You could feel embarrassed. You could feel stuck by it. If you can get through it, it's something that happens for you and not to you. You change the narrative because when you start being a teacher, I feel very preachery tonight. I know. I um, I'm getting all fired up about these questions, man. You just raise your hands. Uh-huh. All right, work. <laughs> they, I think that when you first meet a child that has that is living that life, like a kid who's taking care of their family, taking care of their mother, their mother's an addict or they're um, of any sort, you can connect with that kid in a way that no one else could. You're connecting with a kid in a way that I can't. Like, I don't, I have great relationships with my students. They tell me all kinds of stuff, but sometimes you have to see it to be it. Sometimes kids need to see someone that looks like them, that acts like them, that's been through the same thing as them, That it, and that is going to be the connection point, and it carries more weight than what anybody else has gone through. Now, here's the thing. Everybody has that thing. Everybody has that thing that you've been through that you can use as a superpower to help you connect with students and to help students see that they can be more than that. Um Carti G, I always think that her name is Carly D. That's what I always Cardi think I see. Cardi G is saying, uh, what do you think of the teacher in California who swung on a kid in her in his class? The kid was in his face cussing at him. What would be a better way to handle that situation? You know, look, I think, when you look teachers are, I can see where people come from and I can say first that teachers are only human. They mess up. They do dumb stuff. Right. And I'm not, I'm not condoning that activity in the least because I'm going to, I have another side to this also. So I've known teachers. Like when I student taught, I remember like a gym teacher put a kid up on the wall and like had his forearm and his throat from what I remember is what happened. And he got in trouble and stuff. And I just thought, when I heard the backstory of how like this kid was like relentlessly getting on this guy until the dude snapped, I thought, yeah, that's what happens. But I think you're a grown-up. Like, like when you go into teaching, I'm not saying you have to assume that kids are going to be the worst or that they have no manners or that they're going to be insane, but you just don't know what you're getting into. You have to be ready for anything, right? Like you just can't lose your shit in the middle of a class and like punch a kid or, or at least even if you just took a swing and you missed that, you need to have the wherewithal to know that that student has a story, that there's something going on there and that the conversation has to happen. It can't be a physical altercation. I mean, like what, that doesn't solve anything. And I mean, that really, like, I think that there's might be times and I'm a pacifist that like, there's this, it makes me think of that great scene. Remember the movie, the apostle, This is a great movie, The Apostle. And long story short, there is a pastor who's in a church. He's giving a sermon on a Sunday night. And this dude comes in and starts yelling like racial slurs in the back of the church. And he's like being belligerent. And the pastor's tried to work with him a number of times. And he just shows up drunk and he just keeps talking trash. So the pastor takes him outside. They go into a field next to the church and he beats him up. And then goes back into the church and continues on with the sermon. And something about that scene always made me think like, Maybe like maybe that's what that guy needed. Maybe he needed something like that that was gonna alter his 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 life that drastically in the moment. But I don't think that's ever the case with children. i I don't beat my kids ever. And I just think because you're not showing kids how to deal with something with deal with adversity in the correct way. So, um, I don't know if that really answered that question, but I just I don't think it's ever okay to do that. Uh, Mike Bean is saying. How do you deal with students at your school, for instance? What if a student had a teacher's had? We uh, I didn't answer the second part of that, so maybe this goes into that too. What if a student? What if a student and a teacher aren't on the best terms? How would you make an impact on their life or even a good relationship? So that does kind of tie into Cardi's question, also. I think that one never ever ever giving up on a student. Never. Like you might have to not talk to them so much, not give them as much attention, you might have to, like, cut them out of, of like, I, there have been times when I've like sent kids out of class, like, I'm not saying any of that stuff's wrong. But there's always a place for redemption. There's always a place where kids will come back. I really do sound like a pastor now. Um, <laughs> where if someone honestly, like, wants to work something out, you should always give that kid that opportunity and never just shut them down, because that's our job. And so I think that, again, I would use, I would find somebody that they connect with, um, even if I had to go outside of the school, a coach from a football team, a baseball coach, uh, you know, I feel like coaches are a good connect, um, and find that person that that student connects with, and then you connect with that adult, and then that's how that comes together. Or just in the school, like, Eating lunch with a community of teachers and that student. What you're doing is you're you're doing something that most teachers probably don't do by going out, thinking outside of the box, right? You're, you're, um, you know, I feel like most teachers like would, there's referrals that you would write, like Richard Oyster was asking for, and which are, have their place. There's, you put, kick them out of class, you call home, you do all the regular stuff. But what's the thing you can do? that that kid never saw coming what is that you know the the out, thing completely out of right field that that student would never see coming that makes them shift and think about it a little bit of a different way that's just how i would do it and and i think that that it really really works in my in in the times that i've i've done it and what do you have to lose if you do something like that it doesn't work you're not any worse off than you were to begin with so it's worth giving it a shot my buddy Richard Royster is saying, I would like to know if anyone has... Oh, wait, that's not a question. Oh. Sorry, Monday. Sorry, Richard. My wife just told that's me to stop more for like. That. No, but it's that's more for in common. I got Cardi's question already. Oh, just got it. Uh, well, Did you do that one? Uh, That question right there? That no. one. Sonia's? No, the top Joanne? Okay. Oh, gosh, sorry. All right. well, sorry, I don't want... I, I'm just doing my best here. <laughs> uh joanne is asking how do you motivate someone who is failing and doesn't really stand a chance of passing the course outside of massive amounts of makeup work it's numerically unlikely that they'll hit that they'll make it to a 70 i think you learn how to take your loss like a boss sometimes i tell kids to fail with the highest grade they can fail with you like and, and the way that i put that is if you ever get into a fight, if someone comes up to you on the street and they want to fight you and you know you're not going to win, the dude's bigger, he's tougher, there's more people. You don't just stand there and go, all right, guys, give it your all, right? And then just have your ass handed to you. No, you like put some effort into it. You got to get a shot in at least, right? You got to do something. And so you are, yeah, you are failing as best you can, right? Um, because nothing, it's about learning from your mistakes and then learning like you can still learn even if you're not going to pass and then if you have to repeat that class you are in a better place and I just think it goes like nothing in in your whole life comes when you don't have confidence when you don't try your hardest you never got the girl or the guy by just saying hey uh wondering if you wanted to like, maybe go out with me. No one picks that dude. No one picks that girl. Like if that, that is not assertive, you never got a job acting like that. Nothing ever comes from that. So it's about saying, look, there's no chance you're winning for the year. You have a 33. And to be honest, if we put it plant in the seat next, you would probably have a better grade, but what can we learn from this? And then what are we going to do? to get you as ready as we can. Like the race isn't over. There's gonna be another race. Let's start training now for that race. And I think conversations like that sometimes really have an effect on students and it makes them feel like there is something coming next and this isn't the be all end all right now. What you got there, buddy? Uh, Mark is asking, um, okay, I'm at my wits end. When I punish a student, yell at them, give uh, give them a write up, restrict privileges, they yell things like "I don't care" or "Screw you, Mr. Wyant." What do I do? I would say, again, you have like so. Look, that happens, right? And it sucks. And I, it sucks to even have to go through that. And when it happens and you take it through on your weekend, like I'm just, I just want to note that how bad this sucks. And then you know on Monday morning that that's just going to happen again. You're not going to get through to that kid. What I think is important to remember is that every single student has a story. And sometimes I get like, I've been at places where I don't even want to know somebody's story. I don't even give a rat's ass what that kid is thinking or feeling or what's going on at home. Cause you're so pissed, right? Like you feel like you've done a lot, but the job is to show up and do it again. The job is to give a rat's ass. So you have to kind of check yourself. And what I would do is a couple of things. One, and this sounds a little bit woo woo, but that's where we go sometimes. Um, is I get up early every morning at 5 a.m. And then one of the things that I do is I visualize my day and I practice. This sounds, man, this sounds like I'm living in California or Vancouver. Um, I practice sending out good vibes or just kind of sending love to people that are, a pain in my ass. People that have brought me brought me a lot of strife in my life. That have caused me a lot of heartache. Now that might be a family member, a friend that I'm having a problem with. Um, the guy in front of my. I'm a, I thought you were gonna say my wife. No, no. Um, the guy that lives behind me that's insane, racist, and is always yelling and stuff all the time. I literally practice loving those people, and I think that it has an effect. I think it's it changes my narrative or my dialogue in my head that's constantly complaining about that person or that thing and it shifts it a little bit and then i think that you you understand that that student doesn't care for a reason they don't they don't give a shit for a reason They they're checking out of your class not because it has literally anything to do with you or anything to do with the subject but probably because something that's going on at home something that happened in their past and so if you can find out that kid's story somehow it helps you to understand people. Whenever we know someone's story, it helps us to understand their actions. It does not make it condonable. It just makes it understandable. So you might still stand firm and say that that kid can't sleep in your class. They can't act up in your class. They can't talk to you like that. But when you find out that like someone's been living in foster care, that someone's dad died, that someone's mom has been sick, that someone's mom isn't even living there, that they're living at a house by themselves, taking care of their little sister. Now, all of a sudden, that, that sort of behavior is something that you think, man, all right, I didn't know that before. That makes a little bit more sense as to why they would do that. And then you take it from there. Then you have the the ability, the capacity to care for someone a, a little bit further than everyone else would. And that's, that's my answer for that. Uh, Piano Boy is saying, what are thoughts on EDTPA? Is it... Uh, it is the thank you very much for saying what it is. Sometimes people have acronyms that I don't know what they are. Uh, it is the educational teacher's performance assessment. Did, did you go through it? Uh, or what program did you do? What was your student teaching like? So I don't, I think I someone just actually asked me about that performance assessment the other day. I did not have to do that. I had to do, so I went back to school to become an educator. I Graduated with an English degree, which I quickly realized is good for pretty much nothing except for having a lot of books and sounding cool. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Choking. I know. I'm talking a lot and I'm talking fast. It's we like a, lot a of race. Let's get on to that. And you didn't even bring me any water tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, Would you like some water? i mean, I'd love some water, please. <laughs> so, um, wow, look at you right in front of the I, camera. I don't so, <laughs> they, but. I had to, uh, I did student teaching. It was the most fabulous thing ever. Mr. Zakaria, Winslow Township High School, my homie for life. Um, And I did have this woman, though, that was like the woman that had to come in and observe me and she was very particular. Um, But I just think, you know, can it be good? Yeah, it's like it's like a whole lot of other things, like a lot of other policies and procedures. If they come from a good place, if they're run by the right people, then it can be a positive thing, but if it's run just to be rigid and just to be cold hearted. So uh, let me put these dudes on blast a little bit because my homie Rafe Esquith um, that I think one of the greatest teachers of all time once had these two gentlemen come into his class and those guys took a bunch of his slogans, a bunch of his ideas, not like against his will or something like that. And then they created the KIPP schools, the KIPP charter schools. And so over the years, KIPP has really, really grown. They were right here in New Jersey for a while uh, but Kip, you know, what started off as a good idea, because it was organic, it had people that believed in it, it, had people that were like, like wanted to do that. I think over time, it, you know, one Kip school could be great. And then the other one, if you have people that aren't on board with the mission and don't really believe in it, then it gets watered down and it gets like, it's not as good as the other ones. They end up closing and they don't end up serving the students at all. you, Thank you, my love. Um, so I think that, you know, th- those assessments are kind of the same thing. Like, is the practice assessment a, or practice test a good idea? Probably. But, like, it can't be so – not all of these things can be so cut and dry. Because when we make them cut and dry, then it just t- kind of takes the heart and soul out of it and just makes it, like, the stupid-ass test that you have to do. So that's – I don't really – I hope that helps. Maybe. What do you got? Sorry, I was Especially when I – like, when I feel like you didn't do that good on that question. You got to have something. going to redeem myself. Maybe I'll just drink water now. Yeah, yeah. It's a two-part question. Cavs O thirty-two is saying uh two-part question. I have a student that is a bit of a brainiac, like he knows the answers to lots of questions, but he comes across as sarcastic, rude, and brash to the other students. A few have expressed. Uh second part. I have a few have expressed I hate that kid. Is there anything I can I can or should do about this? I want my students to like each other, and that this student contributes positively to answering questions. Yeah, I would say, look, our room's a safe space where, like, we don't treat people like that. I'm sarcastic as hell in class, but it has to be used for good and not evil, right? So I would maybe talk to that kid and say, look, you know things, but nobody wants to hang out with a guy that's smart, but is a jerk, right? Like, you need to learn to navigate this. And being sarcastic is probably, you know, I just think there's there's a story there also. There's something in that kid, something going on that they act that that way, right? It's it's I I find that a lot of my students that are super sarcastic, or that are always putting people down, have a negative self image. They feel embarrassed by the fact maybe that they're they've always been ahead of everyone else, or they need to like um they need they need to show off somehow because they're not getting that care or that love somewhere else. And so I would just say hey, look, you're doing a really great job in class and I really appreciate that you know the answers and that you seem really bright, but that doesn't give you like the license to be nasty to other people. And um, what you could do is use that power that you have to actually help other students, to help bring them up to like, and then, you know, you're just helping everyone. So how about we talk about ways we can do that instead of just being a jerk all the time. And I, I just think what you're doing there is, you, one, you're building a relationship with the student, but two, you're empowering them to help other students. And, and that's the best way to learn is it's by teaching other people what you already know. So I would try doing that. And then I would also make that eat lunch with me and be like, just find out what their story is, because that might make it a little bit more understandable as well. Lori Starling is saying, how do you handle a class who is usually out of control? It is around eight to nine students out of 32. 32 is already too much people in a classroom. Too much people there we go English teacher but it makes the class environment hard heck yeah it does so I would well so it depends on like what kind of out of control we're talking about here but I feel like tightening up classroom management is one thing and the way that I would do that I want to I don't want to just say hey clean up your classroom management situation there um because I feel like too many people like online say they have like these empty ideas like that but I would say when you're coming in, if you need those kids in, in their seat like when the bell rings, I take points off. If you're not in your if you're not in your seat when that bell rings, I say them out loud. All right, this person's late, this person's late, this person's late, this person's late. And then I need you 100% into the next thing. All right, everybody, uh journal entries on the board. Remember this is how you're going to write it out. You have 4 minutes to do this or 6 minutes to do this. And then you can you can put a timer on the board, but I feel like that builds anxiety into some students, and I don't really like doing that. But you just—I'll tell Siri to like, re, like, put six minutes on the clock, and then dudes have that much time. And if they have three minutes left, um, I'll just go around and be like, "Dude, you're still talking. You have three minutes left. It's it's on you. Like, it's your grade. You can you know, you can not take the shot and and not make it. Or that was kind of a stupid metaphor, but you know, the idea there is." um you the train is moving like if you're not moving with the train you're going to get left behind and if a kid is like trying you know you give them extra time of course or or help them out as best you can but if the if you are moving from one thing to another and on your board you have like all right pre class is a journal entry you have 6 minutes then we're going to go over the homework um that's going to take 3 minutes then we're going to do this thing it takes 10 minutes That also gives kids a sense that like things are moving and I know how much time to expect this to to sort of take place. Then if you have discipline issues, tell those dudes to go in the hallway one at a time, like pick whoever's doing something, Yo, step in the hallway and then have a private conversation with them. Um, Then I realize that's not really feasible for everyone because you're afraid of like what's going to happen in the classroom while you're gone, but just keep the door cracked so you can see inside. But that child's out of view. And then you just took their whole audience away. And then you're having that, like what we call HDR. My friend Sarah calls it HDR heavy, deep, and real conversation about what's going on there. Like, this is what I'm noticing. I'm wondering why we're doing this. And the other thing I would do is at the end of class, pull the kids that are doing a very good job and say, I need these dudes to stay after, or put a sticker or a post-it note on their desk. Anyone that got a post-it note, I need you to meet me at my desk at the end of class and just reinforce to them. How well they're doing, even though the madness is happening, that goes a long way because then those kids are feeling like they're doing the right thing. They're going to keep doing the right thing. And that's really going to help you in your class when you're support, like reinforcing the good and not just looking out for the bad. Uh, Chandler Robinson is asking, I'm in school to teach. Some of my family members who are teachers tell me things have changed so much. And now it's all about the test scores now. Is that so? I live in Tennessee. Uh, you know, not at my school. We My school is adamantly against like just teaching to the test. But I think even if I was, even if I was in a school like that, I just wouldn't do it. Like I would just like, I think, you know, you look at these teachers who, you know, a lot of the teachers that I look up to that have written books and, and been in movies or like they've had documentaries made about them they never taught to the test. They always looked for student engagement. They were teaching to the student and then that just showed, that like made them better on the test, right? They weren't, um, or you figure out ways to kind of like teach things that are gonna be on the test, but also how can we make this about your story, your, your education, make it about something you're interested in. I think those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. I think you can teach things that are, not teach to the test, but teach stuff that's going to be on the test but in a way that still engages students that still does great stuff in the classroom. Um, and sure things have changed, but I I don't think that all things have changed for the bad. I mean, like, you know, Billy Joel always said the good old days weren't always good and tomorrow's not as bad as it seems. I really think that it's worth, um, that you can, you can do both of those things. Uh, Mr. Tran is saying if you are a family or a family friend with a student. How do you communicate boundaries between the teacher and uncle? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I would I think I would say to the uncle, I would just say, "Hey, look, we're in, we're in a new space here, right? Um so let's talk about what that could look like or what that needs to look like for this year. Like don't make it a problem to say, "Hey man, I'm in this kind of like weird or funny area where you know we're homies. We're connected in, on some level, and now I have your kid in my class. Like, what is this going to look like this year? And then just put it out there and see what they have to say. They might have some very good answers for you for that kind of stuff. It's getting hot in here. Um, exactly. It is the ring light. Ring light's going to get. Look, my face looks like I was drinking wine. So um, they. That's that's what I would do. I would just have the conversation. Wait, and, I think it's the teacher is the uncle and the nephew or niece is the student. Oh. I thought that's. Communicate the boundary machine. No. Yeah. Teacher so. and uncle. I thought it was. I don't, I'm don't... i not clear. If you are a, a family friend with a student, how do you communicate? I don't Right? Am I. How, is there a different way to kind of answer that? I don't know. <laughs> I would assume that the uncle was. I feel like this is dead air right here. Like Yeah. All right. Never no, right. mind. Moving on. Clarify. Miss Look, if. If I can help you in a different way, just let me know. I think I got that right, but not so secret the wife is telling me I'm, telling me I'm wrong. There you go. Uh, My (laughs) man, Anthony Biggs is saying, I have a few students who refuse to do the basic tasks like date and titles, bro, story of my life. I have tried praising others, um, talking one-to-one. I don't know what that means, but hey. Oh, one-on-one, like (laughs) one-on-one. genius sitting next to the student etc they won't do anything in their books any tips um oh gosh i you know when when yeah i just i do things like i i do ridiculous stuff like oh my gosh how do i put this I, I sometimes i struggle to say things because what i do works for me and i'm not so sure it's going to work for everyone else but i'll give you these examples as examples of ways to think outside the box but not necessarily exact things to do so if the student is not writing their date, this is one of my things that makes me crazy because I need dates on paper sometimes, or I need them to write what period they're in because otherwise I got to go look for it. and just takes extra time. So if they, if I'm walking around the room and they haven't written it, I'll take like my Expo marker and I'll start like scribbling on their paper and I'll say, well, if you don't care, I don't care. Or I'll say like, oh, can you go ahead and put it your period number right there? And I'll make a big circle on there or an arrow and kids can't stand that stuff or I'll draw on their desk, or I'll say, I'm literally I'm literally gonna squirt you with this water pistol if you do not write your date on there. And then I squirt kids in the lane with the water pistol, um, or if they're standing up, or if they refuse to, to go back to their seats, like, I'm literally going to squirt you with this water pistol if you don't sit down in a moment. And then they don't ever believe me and then I do it. And then guess what? Everybody sits down immediately. And then they're all afraid to get up because they know they're gonna get squirt with a water pistol. So I think sometimes it is the ridiculous thing that you do That wins the day. Now, I'm not saying get yourself in trouble or whatever. Like, I don't know what your boundaries are at your school, but we have I have a lot of leeway in my class. So I do a lot of those kind of like insane things where if if you just do this ridiculously big thing, that's the stuff that always sticks. And if you think back to school, it was the teachers that taught the ridiculous lesson that had the insane detention, that had the crazy whatever, that's the stuff that stuck to you. And sometimes what that does is it shakes it. It shakes up the mold so much that it like it breaks through to the kid. Uh, oh, my, wait, before you go, um, Mr. Tran said the Nazi secret wife got it. I am the uncle who's also the teacher. How do I set the boundary with the kid? I would talk to the kid. I would have that conversation with the kid and say, hey, look, it's a little weird. Like this is our situation this year. Never had this happen before. Maybe never going to have it happen again. How do we make this look? And then I would tell them, you gotta do a good job in here, otherwise you're gonna make me look bad. So like hook it up. Um, and that that's just how I would do. It. I would just like sometimes the 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 weird thing just has to be noted. The elephant in the room just has to be noted so that everyone is in the know, right? So like let's name the awkwardness here so that we know what's going down. And then it just makes it not weird because you named it. All right. Nayara is asking, i still having issues with my TA and a few of my students being rude to her. They're often rude um, in Chinese, so sometimes goes under the radar. Advice? And then the other part of that question was, I know when I was younger, I didn't like it when older teachers would step in on my behalf. Should I do that? I have a really good relationship with my kids, so I feel bad that I'm not facilitating it for her. Um, look, I don't know if this works, but when I taught in Camden, New Jersey, most of my students spoke uh, English as a second language. They were always speaking Spanish. I just made believe I knew what they were saying sometimes. So if somebody said something, I would just look at them like, what? And they're like, do you know what I said? You're darn right I do. And then that's, that was one way I handled it. I think I, you know, do you step in for someone or is that weird? I would... I would note the problem with the TA and say, here's what I'm noticing. What's your take on this? And what do you want me to do? Like, I want to help you, but I want to help you in a way that you feel is empowering you. I can give you some tips and tricks. I can speak to the students, but I know, you know, and so maybe that works, but I'm thinking about when I student taught, I had a day where it was a nightmare. I mean, like, the, for the for the guy that I student taught with, that dude had this class on lock. I mean, they were a, amazing for him. When I taught them, they just tried to walk all over me. Like they, they really took like my kindness for weakness. And I remember a time when he said, can you do me a favor? Just go for a walk for a minute. And I thought, all right. So I left and I just stood outside the door and then go for a walk. And he put this class on blast so hard and said something like, you know, this guy's coming in here. He's trying to learn to be a teacher. He stays up all night and all weekend working on lesson plans for you all, trying to come up to do his best for you all. And then you're going to treat him like that. And this really laid into them and not just to guilt them, but to really paint a picture of like what was actually going on. And they were much better for me after that. And that stuck in my head so much that like, I didn't want someone to do that. I didn't feel like it was right. But sometimes kids just have to be like put in their place so that they can understand what they're doing is and that it's not okay. And especially because you're in the room, it's like a disrespect to you, the person that they do respect. It's like, I'm taking this personally that you would even feel like you could treat someone like that in my room. Like we don't do that. We are a community of people that are helping one another, that are caring for one another, that are working together to further you um, and make you better educator or make you better students. And so like, we're not dissing anybody in this class. And I think that's kind of how I would take that. Uh, Jay Dobson is asking, I'm about, I feel like- Yes, we know you. Thought. I was going to say, say, we know you. J- yes, uh, Jay Dobson is asking, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm about to start my first full-time job in January. School year starts here in Australia. Uh, what advice would you, oh, that's right. You guys have summer right now. Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. What advice would you give in regards to work-life balance and maintaining well-being? Look, there's no such thing as work-life balance. Like there's, in terms of, you're never going to like, no one ever like figures it out. And if they do, I don't know. They're, maybe they have unicorn blood in them. But I, I've never found a way where like I had a hundred percent on lock and work-life balance was just flowing there's always some pivoting right so it's like sometimes some weeks school takes a lot of precedence right now I'm working on a project for a company called storybird and they need me to make like 14 videos for them right and I am it's it's a great opportunity for me and I love working with them they're a great company and so that's taking a lot of my time and so like last night I worked I worked on that all day yesterday last night I had to stop myself and we watched teen Titans go to the movies my son's friend came over we made popcorn um and we just had this like undisturbed family time right and so that's how i was able to build in the balance i worked like 10 hours yesterday on this and then i just had this time with my family and then other weekends like last weekend last weekend i went roller skating and i haven't roller skated since i was about 15 years old i thought i was going to break a hip but we went to this like place that uh one of my viewers kayla crozier invited us to the kids got to play like indoor nerf like nerf wars they played mine or not minecraft Fortnite inside then we did like uh, roller skating and a bunch of other stuff and that was like set in stone i had a hundred other things i needed to get done like on the double but that was it that's what i focused on so i would say two things one when you're doing something you're 100 percent doing it like ron swanson says never half-ass anything whole-ass everything so you're just focusing on schoolwork when you're focusing on schoolwork when you're with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kids, your dog, that's all you're doing. Don't be like half on your phone doing emails and stuff. It's about being mindful and being present in what you're doing. And then um having, I, I really find that having some sort of morning routine is what it was what makes me at my absolute best. Getting up in the morning, envisioning my day, doing my five-minute journal, praying, meditating, reading, like I have this practice that what it's doing is priming me for my day. It's getting me ready for my day instead of just being like kicked out of the airplane. All of a sudden you're sailing through the sky. It's better to get yourself right as you're sailing up instead of just getting kicked out and flying through the air. I don't know if that really worked, but I think it did kind of, I was reading. You Uh, weren't listening to me again. No. (laughs) Thanks. Just when I do that, just say, no babe, that was brilliant. You're doing a great job. Uh, Summer Tate, I love seeing people's names. What's up, Summer Tate? Summer Tate has a lovely name as well. Um, I'm being observed soon, and thinking of doing a Socratic seminar. Have you done one with your students, and do you have any advice? The class is being observed; is very vocal and eager to participate. I would say this: um, I don't do Socratic seminars too much. Um, My friend Kate at school does a really great job. It's one of those things that I feel like the students are getting a lot of in other classes. So I. I don't do it because I don't, it's like someone else's thunder that I don't want to steal. I would say this in getting observed, especially when you have students doing something like that, you're not really sure what they're going to say, what they're going to do, if they're paying attention, what's going on. I think it's the, one of the most important things in an observation is not to be perfect, but did you learn from whatever went wrong and whatever went right? And going into your, your, like we have follow-up meetings, whenever my department head um, miss list does with me, it's like, what did you so tell me what you thought of the lesson it's like well this is what i was trying to do this is what happened this is what went really well this is what i think i could work on and then this is what i'm going to do next time it's always about that reflective piece like because that's what they're going to give you anyway so what you're doing is you're going on offense instead of playing defense and just defending what you're doing you're saying "No, no, no no this is the stuff i already noticed and then when they give you that feedback saying sometimes like, hey, that's really interesting that you brought that up. Could you talk a little bit more about that or how would you have done it in your class? So again, you're shifting the leverage and you're putting kind of, you, what you're doing is becoming colleagues that are working towards a common goal and not the leader and the like fledgling learner that's, that's there also. So I would just say, have fun with it, do your best and then the <clears throat> follow those bits of advice and it'll be awesome. Uh, Anthony Biggs is saying, second question, no problem. Can you make a closed Facebook page? Uh, I like Teachers Connect, but I think I'd use a Facebook page more often. What do you think about that? Is it just for teachers to like? I want him to. I would love for him to email us and tell us like more of his vision. That's a great idea. Anthony, so if you if you couldn't hear that, which I feel like you could, uh, not so secret wife is saying send us an email with more details like what that would look like. What kind of teachers would be a part of that? What is the conversation looking like? Water. What are you looking for in that? And then that becomes a conversation that we can have. Did mm-hmm. I distract you? Mm-hmm. My lips are getting all dry. I'm telling you, this light's like drying me out. It's really It's blind. like I'm in the sun because it's just completely dark outside. Right. Um, bonus fiddle. That's a hilarious name. I'm not even sure what that means. It's like. Not only do I have a fiddle, but I have a bonus fiddle. It's saying everyone is frustrated because I can't figure out classroom management. This is my second year as an interim, and I didn't have typical student teaching experience. I am bummed. Ideas. Look, someone emailed me about this the other day, and I think when you can't figure out classroom management, um, for some reason it pisses other people off and and maybe rightfully so because kids can come from your class and be all wild and then they come into other people's classes acting all wild I would say gosh what advice would I give for that um because it's just so daunting when other people are disappointed I feel like when people are disappointed in me it's like the worst feeling because I want to not be disappointing to people um I would do this one, what are people saying to you? And sometimes we have a tendency, I know I have a tendency that when someone gives me a piece of advice, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, but sometimes other people see us better than we can see ourselves, right? They see our truth. I know my wife sometimes knows me better than I know myself. And she'll say, you're doing this thing again. I have to think, I used to go, she doesn't even know what she's talking about. She, she, it's stupid. It's a stupid idea. But the older I've gotten, and the longer we've been together, I start realizing like, no, she's right. Like, and that doesn't just give her power and she can feel like she's right all the time or something. But if I'm honest with myself, yeah, you're right. And I should work on that. Then actually maybe think about taking their advice. I think most classroom management comes down to relationships with students. And I I feel like a broken record when I say this stuff, but I'm going to break it down for you like this, my man. Um, I think that if you spend time getting to know those students and then having a conversation with your students, like, look, this class is not going as planned, and I'm not putting it all on you, the student, but what can we do to make this better? Learning how to have conversations like that, what it's doing is furthering your understanding about yourself, about your students, about giving your students a voice in the classroom, um, and maybe going to that those team members or, or some other team members and saying, look, this is something I'm struggling with. What are some ideas? And you start working as a community of educators, and you're being proactive. You're, you're being the person that goes out and asks the question. And I think that that puts you in a place of like um, when they do look at you and they see you struggling and they're getting pissed off, like, yeah, but he keeps looking for the right answers. Like he's doing the work. He's trying the tactics. He's looking for help. Like no one can fault someone or it's harder to fault someone that's actually like actively looking for things. And so a few years ago at my school, real quick story, there was a guy <clears throat> the kind of student, the kind of teacher rather that came in in September and all the other teachers were going, dude, this guy's not making it to Halloween. And he had an awful beginning of the year, but his coach would go in and give him tips. And whether he liked it or not, my man would try these tips and he kept putting them into practice and kept doing what he was told and kept trying to get better and better and better. And I swear to you, I did not think this guy was going to last past Christmas, but he made it two years in our school before he left to go do some other stuff. But he was killed, like his second year was infinitely better. And I think it's because he just kept trying and trying and trying and eventually started getting the hang of it. And that's what worked for him. And so I, I that would be my advice for that anyway. Um Kim H is saying the video on toxic teachers was great. Thank you very much. Um, how do I deal with toxic person is assigned to my room for two hours each day reading and writing block? I feel like she is always to get her two cents in um oh gosh I just feel like how do I deal with that I've had co-teachers that have not worked the teachers that have been in my room for the whole day that I once had a guy who used to sleep in the back of my class I mean like not like no one knew him right or knew that he was there I mean my man was like knocked out in the back of the room and then when he was awake he would like pick on kids I put him in charge of vocabulary and his vocabulary tests were we would come in on Fridays. I'm like, you got this vocabulary test on lock, right? Oh yeah. 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 I I got something. I got something. I immediately knew like, you do not have anything. You have zero idea what you're going to do. So his vocab test was to students, which all had IEPs was all right, spell formidable. Go ahead, write it down, spell it. And then I want you to write the definition next to it. And it's like, bro, what the hell are you doing? Like, no one knows that and it was hard for me to get on his side. I think sometimes it's weathering the storm sometimes it's getting to know that teacher better sometimes it's learning to to shout something out about them that they do great or they do even marginally well and it's building in those little things so that that person can feel a little bit better um, about themselves it's about you know I have a tendency to 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 shine in my classroom and not, gosh, how do I say this? Like, I like, I like teaching, I like my students, I like building relationships. And sometimes that allows me the I what happens is I like outshine the person I'm with. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like the the Reynolds show, but I want to be a partner with that person. It's just like I've just had to do it by myself for so long that it's hard for me to share the spotlight sometimes. And so I think it's for me about like. Getting the, giving the kids reasons to like that person, and when they do, it's I just think it shifts that narrative. It shifts that situation a little bit more. So like maybe having the kids like bring in a a, uh, a birthday card for that individual, or writing little notes like, "Hey, Miss So and So, thanks for doing this," or maybe you even doing that like, "Hey, you did this the other day in class, and I really appreciate that." Like you, I saw you help that kid. I saw you do that one thing, even if it's the tiniest thing. It starts building that bridge, um, that connection with that teacher instead of just focusing on the negative, which can be very, very easy. I, I fully understand that, that, that even, especially if they're like a pain in your ass 99% of the time, just focusing on that 1% and then seeing if you can kind of build that um, relationship like that. Um, Mike Bin Lit is saying, how do you manage your time wisely? Uh, you know me well enough to know that I am not the best at staying on top of my work. How do you do it also on a off note please teach me how to be a successful youtuber um that mike is maybe a whole nother video i mean i i do speaking conferences like i do conferences where i speak about like how to use social media and be a good youtuber but um the other part of your question how do i manage my time wisely look on my best days Again, has to be offense, no defense. Has to be me waking up at a specific time, and I I time everything out, right? And so, like my my boy Jocko Willink would say, that discipline equals freedom. So I'll say I have. So this morning it was, um, I woke up at five. I did my morning routine. My wo- wife woke up, or actually, my wife went food shopping at like five o'clock in the morning this morning. But when she, yeah, boss. So. <laughs> When she came home, we do um, we do this thing. I know talk about this. We do like this dream time on Saturday and Sunday mornings where we sit and we plot out our life so that we're, we're what we're doing is like planning out the entirety of our life down to what does our kitchen look like in our new house and how many speaking gigs am I getting a year and how much money are we making and how do we get to that end, like hashing all that out, right? Then it was like, I'm gonna spend an hour on Storybird Then I'm going to take a break and I'm going to take my dog to the park for 30 minutes. Then I'm going to play with my kids for 15 minutes. Then I'm going to do this next thing for this many minutes. And so when I plan it out and don't just take it as it as it comes, um, I find that I get a lot more stuff done. Parkinson's law says um, an activity will take as long a task will take as long as the time you give it. And I find that that's largely true, that if I know if I have to lock in for an hour, I can get a lot more done. And I cannot let myself go over. Like if it's, if it, the timer goes off and it's, you know, an hour has been done, it's on to the next thing. Cause I can always go back and I am going to go back to that thing, but it's building in those breaks, building in those tasks. So after I get done this live feed, I have like six more things to do tonight. And that's how I get it done is by locking that in and then giving myself that heart out at the end of the night. where I'm just like drinking beers and watching walking dead, which new episode on tonight. Yeah, girl. Um, Rick's last episode. end of an era. I I don't think he dies. Um, Karen Hutchinson is saying I have great students, but my team will not collaborate with me. I am the new teacher and an overflow teacher. So they don't see me as permanent, no help, no support ideas. So I would say some of that is going to be proving yourself. Um, I'm thinking about when I first started teaching how my Like I couldn't find people to collaborate with or get down with or even talk to me or take me seriously because I was new. So I think it goes, this is how I would handle that. Go into it like you know you're new and then ask other people for their advice, for their expertise, what they would do about something, what they think about a project. And what that does is it's giving credit where credit is due. And I think a lot of new teachers come in like they're going to be like the shit, especially teaching in the hood. Like teachers always want to show up and be the next Freedom Writers or Dangerous Minds. And instead coming in, like you can be confident, like you can go in knowing you're going to change the world. Awesome. But realizing that you're new and that, um, you know, like that you don't know as much through experience yet. And then giving those teachers that credit, I just think that goes a long way. Like you're honoring people as you're coming in, uh, I think goes a long way. And then thanking them for that with a coffee or a nice note or hey, thanks for taking the time to meet with me the other day. Like that was really nice. Um, I got this coffee. I, or I got an extra coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. Here you go. Doing that kind of stuff, it build. You're building those connections with kindness and with love and with respect. Um, and and that is going to prove the kind of person that you are and that you're a team player. All right. Um, last question, but right. you have a lot of answers. Right. and I always feel so terrible. All right. So the wife is feeling bad because this is my last question, but there's like a hundred other questions on here, and so. Um, it's we look, if you have an idea here, here's my, my question for you for the week, before I answer this last question, do you have an idea as to how I can better get through all of these questions? I feel like there's so many questions left over and I just, it's, it is so hard to get to all the emails. Like I emailed, I don't know, 20 people today, like maybe 30 or 40 people this weekend. That's a lot of friggin' writing and videoing and sending things to people. Um, and then, but is there a better way that you think I could kind of get through this? That's the, so I, I want to. What I want to do here is I want to serve all of you better than than I am, and how can I do that? So if you could leave that in the comment section, I'm going to go through that. Um, this just makes my wife feel bad that we can't get through all of these. So Luis Lopez is asking, given your insights and experience, have you considered counseling or being involved with interventions targeting kids, uh, the kids way on the margins? I have. So. <clears throat> one of the things that I love, love, love doing is, and I want to get more into like way more into is mentoring teachers. And I'm not exactly sure how that looks like aside from speaking at conferences and um, like I'm a finalist for South by Southwest EDU this year to be like one of their mentor teachers. But I am very interested in like, going to schools, working with people, talking with folks about what's going on and getting deep and not just an email to me and an email back because sometimes folks need something deeper and doing phone calls is very difficult sometimes because then um, it just it just takes up a lot of time and I only have a set amount of time. So how can I turn this stuff like into more of a side business or a side cause that I'm doing? So um, I have considered that and because look, I don't I real rap with Reynolds is all about me being for real with you all I by no means know everything I don't know the answer to every question there have been times on here where I just totally don't know what the hell I'm talking about and I send it all out to all of you which is the best because then it's all the people in the comments that are like saving my ass because I'm just the talking head on here but um I do know some stuff and I am good at some stuff. And if I stay in my lane and I double down on that good stuff, I think I can really help some people out, which is what this channel is all about. It's just me using what the, the stuff that I do know to try and help you all out. And then we do that for one another. So uh, I have considered that. So that being said, hey, man, if your school's looking for a PD speaker, or you want me to come talk to your class, or if you want to get together, you live in the neighborhood and you want to have coffee, like I'm always down for that kind of stuff um just let me know shoot me an email let me know what's going on and is that it that's it hey if you're coming on here late my friend Richard Royster is looking for um what does your school what are hard and fast rules that your school uses for write-ups that you think are beneficial or maybe give him some ideas of stuff that that your school does for write-ups that suck that you're like no my school does this and I hate it um because he's trying to just like better his practice and that's it gang as always, to all the people that are watching this, to all the people that will watch this in the follow up, I deeply appreciate you. And I deeply appreciate what you're doing. And if no one else tells you this week, I really think that you're like, you're on YouTube watching some dude talk on a Sunday night, like you're, you're, you're trying to make the world better in ways that don't even make sense to most of the world. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you so much for what you do for the kids. Um, You're freaking awesome keep going at it. And I hope that you have the best week ever. And let's see if Rick Grimes dies tonight on The Walking Dead. (laughs) I hope not. RIP, Rick. Uh, That's it, everybody. Peace.